Hello, and welcome to the Finance House podcast. My name is Polina, and I'm joined by my co-host, Luke. Hey, what's up, Polina? What's been happening this week? I found interesting news about Amazon. As we all remember, when the pandemic started and we were all in lockdowns, most of us started frequently shopping online. But as the coronavirus situation is improving and lockdown restrictions are getting loosened around the world, Amazon's customers are increasingly doing things besides shopping as the e-commerce company posted weaker than expected sales for the year's second quarter. Dragging Amazon's top line was its core online store business, which grew 15%, the slowest rate since 2019, despite it bringing forward its flagship Prime Day sales event to June. Vaccinated communities with loosened lockdown rules meant it was seeing among our customers in especially United States and Europe, people are getting out more doing other things besides shopping, Amazon's chief financial officer Brian Oslavsky added, noting spending by customers with Prime membership had moderated. Overall revenues increased 27% from last year to $113 billion, falling short of forecasts for about $115 billion. Profit rose 50% compared with the same period last year to $7.8 billion. Amazon also forecasts its profits would fall in the current quarter when compared with the same period last year and predicted operating income for July through September would be between $2.5 billion and $6 billion compared with $6.2 billion a year ago. The earnings mark Amazon's final quarter under the stewardship of founder Jeff Bezos, who stepped aside as chief executive at the beginning of July on the 25th year anniversary of the company's founding. The shares fell about 7% in the after-hours trading. The company had been trading up by just over 12% since the beginning of the year. Over the past 18 months, our customer business had been called on to deliver an unprecedented number of items, including PPE, food and other products that help communities around the world cope with the difficult circumstances of the pandemic, said Andy Jassy, the new chief executive. The company said it had incurred $1.5 billion in costs directly related to dealing with COVID-19, such as distancing measures at its warehouses. It brings the total cost since the start of the pandemic to approximately $15 billion. Luke, what have you found this week? Have you ever thought about buying a bank? Well, me neither. But Mexican-based Credit Justo thought about it and they've just pulled the trigger. The fintech company that's delivered over 250% revenue growth this year has bought Fintera Bank for an undisclosed amount under £50 billion. Credit Justo was established just six years ago and target SMEs in Mexico, where market concentration has left funding gaps. The size of the SME market is worth around 50% of the nation's GDP, and it employs around 70% of the workers. If this is a group that is struggling to access credit, this maneuver from Credit Justo gives them the scale capabilities to fulfill this hole in the market and potentially exploit it. Thinking about the USB of Credit Justo, it is their ability to process electronic invoices, tax and other data to provide loans within hours. Now, usually loan applications and fulfillments can take weeks or months, but Credit Justo utilizes their tech IP to differentiate themselves and their service. SMEs in particular do not always have the financial buffer that larger companies have, and so they may need access to credit quickly. And of course, this is where Credit Justo steps in. As a company, the goal they now have set themselves is to have the speed and flexibility of a fintech service with the costs of a bank.
and currently they can offer rates of 7.5%, but this move could see rates drop to industry averages and even lower. In terms of numbers, what does this move do to the combined company? Firstly, it doubles their asset base to around $300 million, which will position them well for growth. In Mexico, there is 51 banks, but only several grant most of the country's loans. And the funding gap I spoke about earlier is around $160 billion, according to the World Bank. And if the company could capture just 2% of this, the returns the company will deliver will be astronomical. They have already issued $500 million in loans, and this buyout has meant owners have objectives of doubling this number by the end of the year, by doubling its combined client base to around 12,000. But they don't want to do this the old and traditional method. They want to break the mold and try something new. The focus on the agriculture sector that has been missed by the majority of lenders. This left alone market is huge and full of capital, but the returns can be limited and determined by unpredictable factors. However, Credit Justo see risk profile and potential returns profiles as the same thing. And so, by building the first truly digital banking solution for SMEs, Credit Justo could tap into the market. You're listening to the Finance Owls podcast. And up next, we have winners and losers of the week. Our biggest winner this week is Megit the subsystems manufacturer and designer based in the UK. The company is listed on the London Stock Exchange and has seen an increase of 57%. This came as the 170-year-old company and board has been purchased by Parker Hannafin Corporation in the US. Parker Hannafin is a maker of industrial motion control systems and have agreed to buy Megit PLC for £6.3 billion. The deal will be all cash and will be used to facilitate Parker Hannafin's expansion in a rebooted aerospace industry. This will be their biggest spend, and Tom Williams, the owner, has said it will hold all further M&A action for the next three years so they can focus on dividends and paying down debts to lower leverage ratios. The deal values the shares of Megit at a premium of 71%, but what it does show is Parker Hannafin's commitment to the business with their board stating it was a company that they have liked for a very long time. The premium and aggressive valuation of Megit at around 17 times the 2022 EBITDA, excluding synergies, makes a competing bid less likely. Megit's leadership roles in high-margin controls and components and sole-source supplier positions are attractive opportunities in aerospace industries as it begins to reopen after one of the longest and deepest of slumps the market has ever experienced. Ultimately, I'm looking forward to see what value and synergies can be extracted from this deal and how Parker Hannafin's aerospace arm operates in the 12 months after acquisition. I expect the company to focus on this side of the business and investment in R&D, specifically in aerospace parts, be much greater than what they are right now. That's the winner this week, but who's been losing this week, Polina? One of this week's losers is Pinterest. Its shares decreased by 18% on Friday after the social media platform reported disappointing second quarter results. Pinterest's revenue soared 125% year-over-year to $613 million. Its net income, meanwhile, improved to $69.4 million from a loss of $100 million in the year-ago period. The gains were fueled by strong increases in average revenue per user as advertisers ramped up their spending on Pinterest's platform during the pandemic. 
But while Pinterest reported a 9% rise in global monthly active users to 454 million, it saw its monthly users in the US fall 5% to 91 million. That sparked fears among investors that the social media star may have reached the point of saturation in its most important market. With millions of people stuck at home, new users flocked to Pinterest during the early stages of the COVID-19 crisis. But as the economy reopens, people spend more time outdoors and offline, the image-sharing site's growth is slowing. Management expects Pinterest revenue growth to decelerate to the low 40% range in the third quarter, and I'm interested to know how the rest of the year plays out. That's the news. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.